0: Let's stand for the reading of God's word from Genesis and Hebrews. Thank you. Our reading begins in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Kyle Manning, thank you. Thank you, Megan. Father in heaven, we rejoice at your holy word. We rejoice that you're saving people. We rejoice that if we are in you, you have saved us. You have rescued us, not because of anything that we have done, but because of your mercy. Lord, open our hearts to your word now that we might be transformed even in this brief time together. Holy Spirit, move and do what only you can do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I love being a father. Father's Day, though, is not always easy. Some of you are experiencing a Father's Day, and it's the first Father's Day in which you no longer have an earthly father living. I don't either. My dad died eight and a half years ago. It's hard. Some of you are fathers, and you've you've lost a child. And the weight and burden of that pain is very, very great. And I know the Lord is ministering to you. It doesn't mean the pain is easy, but He's present. I promise, He is. He's more present than the pain, and that's the truth. I love being a father, though, because it teaches me many things about my own need and dependence on God. It also teaches me how imperfect my love and protection is of my own children, and yet His love and protection over me is perfect. Dads love to talk about, even when they're young fathers, the joy of protecting their children. And, and men especially love to fantasize about the day in which they're going to be able to confront a suitor. I remember saying when I was a young father, when my girls start to date around the age of 35, this is what I'm going to do. Well, that came much sooner than I expected. Um, our oldest who just turned 20 on Friday. So I've now been a father 20 years. Uh, was asked to go to the prom when she was a sophomore. I wasn't ready for that. But I told her all along, anytime a young man seeks to take you on a date, he, they have to meet me first. They have to ask my permission. Now, that may seem a little bit intense, but well, it should be. This is our right as fathers. This is also our joy, to mess with a young man. <laughs> this young man came to our house and I was there and I did everything like dad's dream of doing. First of all, I don't hunt but I do have a couple shotguns from my dad leaving them to me. So I got one out that hadn't been fired since probably the 50s. And it's not even a big gun, it's just a 410, but I had it sitting next to the fireplace in our front room. And that wasn't that intimidating to this young man, but what I gave him was, I gave him a pack of pages, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, 200 total sheets of paper. And it had a cover letter on top. And all the cover letter said was this, and I wrote it so I know for, you know specifics. It said, the following 200 questions will help me understand whether or not I should let you take my daughter to the prom or not. <laughs> be honest, I will be able to know whether you're lying. I'm a pastor. <laughs> so this young man received these pages. He, he looked at the cover letter and he was very nervous. And he said, do you want me to fill this out right now? I said, yeah, right now. I'll just be sitting here, cleaning my gun. It sounds like a country song, I know. So he takes the page and he turns to the first and there's nothing there, just blank. And then another blank page. And I loved it. He's so confused, he's so scared. He's thinking to himself, why did I invite this girl to the prom? And so finally in the silence, he breaks it and he says, Uh, Mr. Davis, is that what I'm supposed to call you? I said, you can call me Mr. Davis or pastor or bishop. (laughs) Mr. Davis, there's no questions here. I said, oh, I know. I want you to come up with 200 questions and you write the answers, the things you think I need to know about you. And he just looked at me and his eyes got bigger. And I said, I'm just messing with you a little. You know, it's silly, isn't it? But there's a God-given, born desire for moms and dads and grandparents and actually a body of people who have said we will seek to assist the parents in the nurture of their child to defend, to protect. And it does come from God. We can't do it perfectly, but God does. He does it perfectly. He, is, he has created us because He loves us. And then He has given us these pages this holy word to reveal to us what is necessary for us to be saved and what is necessary for us to walk and follow him. Why? Because he loves us. And this word that he has given us, every page, every word is inerrant. It's inspired. It's his word. It's sharper than a double-edged sword as the preacher of this book of Hebrews would tell us. It is important for us to stand on because he loves us. Not only does he give us his word, though, he gives us other means of grace, prayer, the sacraments which we experienced this morning, I believe fellowship of brothers and sisters being together, and the testimonies of witnesses who have gone before us. And this is where we get Hebrews 11, and where Enoch comes in. It's a very, very strange, strange story that doesn't take many letters and much print but it's in our holy word for our benefit. Think about Enoch's life for a minute. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 5 or keep your hand there in Hebrews 11 as well. But Enoch is, is a very old man. He's 60 years old when he gives birth, or he doesn't give birth, when his wife gives birth, to Methuselah. Think about this for a minute. The man, Enoch, The man who never died fathers the son who lived the longest, 969 years. That's how long Methuselah lived. I want you to note something in Genesis 5. Probably in your your Bible, the subtitle at the top of chapter five says something like, Adam's descendants to Noah. Now I want you to pay attention. There is a rhythm that is taking place here. And it begins with Adam. Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years. So you'll notice that that as, as the Holy Spirit's carrying Moses who wrote this along, he has this rhythm. The person's name, Adam, who lived 130 years. Then it says, he fathered his son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Then it says, the days of Adam, so it speaks about how long Adam then lived. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 and he died. Now watch the next verse. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. It's the same formula, the same pattern over and over again, beginning with Adam through the seventh recorded person. And it's Enoch. And then it changes. Did you see the change? Look closely. Go back to verse Let's say 18 when he speaks of Jared. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Same exact formula as Adam. Then we come to Enoch. And this is amazing. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. So far, exactly the same. Verse 22, Enoch walked with God. It didn't say that about any of the others. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him the man that we're talking about today enoch he walked with god i want you to hear that phrase over and over and over this morning go back to hebrews 11:5 now the preacher of this wonderful letter seeking to encourage his people gives us enoch in verse 5 by faith enoch was taken up so that he should not see death And he was not found. Now think about that. That means that Enoch was doing his normal things. He was walking with God. He was a father. He had other children. I'm sure he had grandchildren and on and on. And then one day, Enoch didn't come home. One day, Enoch was no more. He never died. He never had a funeral. He never suffered some kind of long-term disease. He just simply was no more because he was taken to heaven he and Elijah, the only two like this. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended. Now commended means a public affirmation. It means that the public has essentially affirmed Something about this man or that God himself has affirmed something about this man, but it's a public statement But before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God and without faith It is impossible to please him Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him So Enoch He walked with God I want to talk about that this morning What does it mean to walk with God? The reason we're in this series on Hebrews 11 actually is because we believe it's a prelude to what we're gonna launch in the fall. In the fall, we're gonna launch a series called essentially Sojourners. And we're gonna be looking at the, the life of Peter in the letter of 1 Peter. And the reason is because we know that we are still this side of heaven. And the journey that we're on can be very difficult at times but it's also a journey in which the Lord is redeeming all things, including his people. And so we wanna find the encouragement from these biographies, from these individual people and their stories to really lay the foundation for what's gonna launch in the fall. So what does it mean to walk with God? I wanna frame this with three words. Beginnings, I wanna use the second word journey, in the third word, destination. Beginnings, journey, and destination. What I noticed about Genesis 5 is that as the, the life of Enoch is recorded, you see that his walk with God has a beginning. Go back to verse, or chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, 300 years. My friends, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a a true Christian. That means you have a walk with God. That walk with God began at some point. Some people know the exact day and hour. Others of you have a, a general age. I want to be very clear here. If you are a person that says, I don't really know the day or the day, I don't have that kind of rough testimony where God radically saved me. First of all, yes, you do. All people have been saved in a radical way. And if your testimony is that, I just simply have grown up at a home and I've always heard the gospel and I've always known my need for Jesus. And I know at a young age, I prayed for salvation. I just don't remember if it was three or five or seven. You have a testimony. And your testimony is a radical work of God's grace. Sometimes people are like, but I wish I had another testimony that was a little more exotic. No, you want the testimony that God has for you. I pray that every one of these children today would never know a day they didn't know Jesus, but that they would always be deeply passionate for Him. What will make them passionate? The Lord Himself. The Lord Himself revealing to them continually that they need Him. They need him because of sin, because of brokenness. So if you're a Christian, you have a beginning of your walk with God, just as Enoch did. Today, maybe the day of that beginning for you, you may discover in the next 10 minutes that you actually don't have a walk with God, that you're not walking with God. The Holy Spirit might move in such a way that you say in this moment, I need him, I want him. We pray it would happen. But every Christian has a beginning, a starting point. This is important because it's centered on the idea of a walk. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 just for a moment. One of our favorite sections of Scripture is the beautiful way here in which Paul talks about the grace of God. Listen as I read from Ephesians 2. Paul says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, meaning we all once walked that way, regardless of our age of coming to saving faith. We were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. I love this section of scripture because here's what it says. It says that you and I and all people created were dead in our trespasses and sins. Not sick, not ill, not variations of an illness where some people are more sick than others. Every human being, spiritually speaking, has a heart that is dead to God. A heart that cannot be fixed by their own behavior or even by their own desires, but a heart that can only be fixed by the redeeming God who sent his son Jesus to die that we might live, that his heart might stop beating, that ours might beat forever. That's what happened. We weren't sick, we were dead. And he being rich in mercy made us alive together in Christ. My friend, your problem, if you're not yet in Jesus, is not that you're a little bit sick or a little bit ill, or that you have more bad days than good, it's that until you profess faith in Christ, until that heart begins to beat for him, your heart's dead. Praise God that he causes the heart to beat. This is what happened to Enoch. At some point on that day, around the birth of his son, he began to walk with God. Now Hebrews 11.6 essentially speaks of what, is required, what was required of Enoch's life and what is required of ours. Look with me at this verse. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe two things. Must believe that he exists. Do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is God, the one who illuminates the truth about the word that we might believe? All of those things of the beginning of that heart beating for God. Do you believe? Praise him for his grace. If you don't yet believe, begin to think deeply and ask him to cause your heart to beat. But faith is required. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it was impossible for Enoch to walk with God. Without faith. Faith in what? He tells us we must believe that he exists. But we have to believe something else too that he rewards those who earnestly, the NIV says, seek him. That text is taken out of context all the time. What does it mean? It means that if we believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seeks him, that he gives us himself. You see, he's not promising things here like a car. You know, if I decided, you know, I really would like... Any specific car you want to put in mind. And if I really believe strong enough in, in God, if I have enough faith, he's going to give me that car. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Though some churches even in the city would say that, it's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about name it and claim it. I promise. He's talking about blessing those who earnestly seek him by giving us himself. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards us with himself. It's amazing. But that doesn't mean that the journey is easy. The walk with God has a beginning and then there's the journey. The time from the beginning until what you would be tempted to say the end. But I want to change that for you in just a minute. What's the journey like? Okay, I'm gonna give you five Ps. For those note takers, you'll love this. For some of you are thinking, ooh, five Ps. That might sound like a lot. I thought it was a three-point sermon. Now he's throwing in a five in the middle of the second point. (laughs) Okay, listen carefully. These are beautiful. First, the journey, five Ps. It's personal. When I say it's personal, I don't mean it's only individual. It is also corporate. That is why it's important for us to continue together. But even though it's corporate, it's very personal. Each of the characters, which are true people in this text, each of these individual stories and biographies that are all true, they're personal. They have a corporate element to them as well, but they're individual, they're personal. Enoch began to walk with God. Why is, why is personal important? You know, imagine me sitting on my porch. It's early in the morning, and it's a beautiful summer morning. It's not really upwards of even in the 80s yet. And I see this couple walking by, and they're going on a walk. And suddenly I have the thought, you know what, I want to go on a walk too. So I hop off off my porch, I go right down my, my drive to the sidewalk, and I get right behind them. And they're walking, they're about 10 yards ahead of me. So I speed up, and I get right behind them. I don't know them, but I'm walking too, because I saw their walk, I want to walk with them, and so I'm just simply walking. Now, as they sense that there's somebody that they don't know walking behind them, they kind of do this, and then they begin to walk faster. So what do I do? I'll walk faster too. So I keep pace with the people walking in front of me. They stretch it out even further. They don't know the condition that I'm in. I can do that too. So I just keep moving. Finally, finally, the man turns and stops and says, what? And I look at him and say, what? He's like, why are you walking with us? Well, I saw you going on a walk. It looked refreshing. I thought, I'll go for a walk too. That's weird. What, I'm just going for a walk? It's a free country. They look at each other and then they run course I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't either. We don't walk with people we don't know. God knows us. He has called us personally to walk with Him. He's leading us. He is with us. He will never forsake us. He's in us. When the Bible talks about Enoch walking with God, He's talking about the walk that all of God's people have. Though the variations of the journey differ, we're still walking with God, it's personal. Second, it's not only personal, but it's also painful. It's hard. I want you to think about the world that Enoch was living in. This is important. It's hundreds of years before the flood, but the only other place that Enoch is recorded in scripture comes in the small letter of Jude. And here in the letter of Jude, we see that Enoch was a prophet. Listen to what he says. Don't turn there, just listen. It's verses 14 and 15 of Jude. There's only one chapter, so it's just Jude 14 and 15. Listen. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, that's why we know it's the same Enoch, prophesied, saying, Behold, The Lord comes with 10,000 of His holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. Already, just generations, upon generations from these people mentioned here, False prophets flooded the earth. And the sad thing is, many of these knew Adam. They were alive when Adam was alive, the one who actually physically walked with God in the garden. And then Enoch, who walked with God, begins to prophesy. And even the name of his son Methuselah, which means, "shot out one. It's an image of judgment coming. It's pretty amazing. And I think, I really do believe that because the Lord probably gave Enoch that name, something began to happen in his life to see what was coming. And that's when the Lord grabbed hold of Enoch. And then the flood came. The flood, the judgment came. But here's what's amazing about God's word. These words that Jude gave us about the prophecy are nowhere recorded in the Old Testament. That's what God does. He takes things from the Old Testament. Times and puts them in the New Testament that we might see. It's not just an historical document. It's looking forward to the reality of a coming judgment when all the world will be judged. And those walking with God will be safe. The reason I mention this under the category painful is that we tend to think right now that it could never get worse. And maybe even that it's never been worse. God flooded the earth for a reason. Enoch predates the time of Noah but not by much. The world Enoch was living in was vile and dark and evil, full of false prophets. A few more. Peace. It's not just personal painful, but our walk with God pleases him. That's what it says in Hebrews 11. Enoch's life His walk pleased God. Do you know that you walking with God brings pleasure to God? In John 15, the vine and the branches, Jesus said this It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, so proving to be my disciples. My friends, you may feel like your life could never please God. That's not true. He has pursued you if you're a Christian. He has made himself known, and you have followed him. Your life brings pleasure to God. He saved you and loved you. Your life bears fruit. Fourth P, our walk with God has a public reputation. Those who knew Enoch, as Hebrew 11 speaks of in Genesis, knew that he walked with God. He was commended. That means that God commended him, but it means that the fruit of that was seen by others. If we are walking with God, people are going to see the beauty of that. Now I've got some bad news for all the fathers. I am the world's greatest. I am. The first few years of being a parent or a father, when I got the plaque that said world's greatest dad, I thought my daughter just didn't know, but now she's had 20 years, 20 years of life to tell me I am the greatest. I'm the greatest dad. Some of you got the same plaque. I'm sorry. We can't all be the greatest. There's only one greatest. And I've got it for 20 years. Some of you are going to say, I've gotten it more years than me. I don't care. I'm the greatest. Silly, huh? But you know what? What do you really want your child to say about you? If I could pick only one thing, if you could pick only one thing, Wouldn't it be that your child would say, my daddy walked with God? Public, private, personal, corporate. My dad walks with God. My dear brother, are you walking with God? By his grace and for his glory, you can. You don't do it in a way of pride. You do it in a way of dependence on God And your children and their children and the church and the world can see it. Last P. There's progress. Your walk with God is not perfect. Neither was Enoch's. This is going to sound strange, but Enoch needed Jesus just like you and just like me. He was looking to the future of the promise of Christ. We look back at what he's done and what he's still to do. Yet, though we're not perfect, our sanctification, which means being made more and more like Jesus, is progressing. We are becoming more and more like Him. Dying to sin. Hating the sin that's hard to die to. So lastly, we've talked about the beginning, the journey, and the destination. This will be very quick. The destination of our walking with God is exactly the same as Enoch's. Enoch was taken up into the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every person who walks with God, who has begun that relationship, that is somewhere on that journey, your destination is the same as Enoch's, just as mine. He is a great picture of what is going to happen to some, actually. Some will not physically die before they're taken up. It's when Christ will return. Some of them might be in this room. Probably for most of us, we're going to go through physical death. But that's not the end. There is a beginning for a Christian. But there is no end. We live for eternity in the presence of of the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In order for that to happen, a baby had to have a beginning. A baby named Jesus had to have a journey. That journey had a destination. And the destination had a stop called Golgotha, a stop where he would be crucified, that he would die, that he would be buried in a tomb, But that God, that man, that one who was once 100% baby, always 100% God, would conquer death and be raised to heaven. And there he reigns as our king. And all who are walking in him will see him face to face, just as Enoch did. And what will be true of you and me was true of him. We were no more. We're with Him. Are you walking with God? Has that walk started? If not, oh, my prayer is that today it would begin. And you would simply say, Holy God, in the name of Jesus, I confess my need for Him because I'm a sinner. I surrender my life to you. You just have to pray this. I surrender my life to you. I want to walk with you. When I close today, if you pray that prayer, I want you to tell someone that you came with. If you don't know anyone, I want you to come and tell me or one of our other pastors. For everyone else who's already walking with Christ, Keep thinking about when that walk began, even if it's just a season of life and you're not sure the exact date. And think deeply of the fact that you are walking with the living God every step, every breath, every heartbeat until he calls you home. Are you walking with God? Lord Jesus, There is no God like you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are greater than we could ever imagine. You are the God that gave birth to Enoch, the God that used him to give birth to the man who lived the longest. And you are the God that simply called him home. God, you can do anything. We pray that you would create new birth even now in any who are in our midst who don't know you and that you would inspire all who are already walking with you to delight in seeing the intimacy of that walk, which is far more intimate than we know. Even as we close in singing, Lord, let us think deeply of these words and of the one to whom we sing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.